And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation. I'm helping, I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, look, most of us are not in a megacity. The majority of population here in North America and other places is in outlying areas. Now, that said, you do have a lot of people that have started businesses in cities that are very well known for startups. But what about the rest of us? What about the people that are trying to start a business and they're in Kansas City or Tulsa like today's guest? And let's talk a little bit about that. But before we get too far in, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Tesseract Ventures. And Tesseract Ventures helps companies become smarter better connected and more efficient through next generation robotics, 21st century software, and radically connected platforms. You can visit tesseractventures.io to learn more. You can click the link in the show notes as well. So with me today, I have got an inter interesting gentleman who is going to talk all about what it's like to start a startup in a small city. So Jeffrey Simpson... Welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you, Matt. I'm uh, really excited to be here, and it's uh, great to talk to you. Yeah, Jeff, you have a history. You've started with you. You are the CEO and founder of Spiked Mace Software Breach Management. And if you guys want to learn more about him before he gives us all all the information and his own backstory, you can go to spikedmace.com. You can scroll down to the show notes and learn more about it. So, without further ado, Jeff, what give us a little Give, give us a little bit of your backstory. Sure, absolutely. Um, I was lucky as a child to have actually like two uncles that were in the computer uh, programming business and kind of entrepreneur, entrepreneurs in and of themselves. Um, and so my first exposure to computers was through my uncles. But my entrepreneur story actually kind of goes back uh, even a lot further than that. And so I have a great grandfather that moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma in the early 1930s, specifically because of the oil boom here in the Midwest in the Tulsa area. And he was an entrepreneur in the case, in the sense that he started adding diesel engines to drill rigs. And that was the niche that he got into in the early 1930s here in Tulsa. Started his own company, uh, named it Parker Drilling after his, uh, after his name. Uh, and the company is still going today, and they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange today. Uh, and so my entrepreneur story starts, you know, with, with my great-grandfather. My parents are entrepreneurs in their own right, uh, owning a company uh, that did construction material testing. And, and so I spent some summers, uh, you know, testing some concrete and asphalt and steel. Uh, but that uh, spirit of entrepreneurship uh, runs throughout my family. My, I have a brother and a sister, and they're both entrepreneurs in their own right, uh, whether they're building houses or uh, my brother's running a drilling company. 
And so, you know, the, the support system uh, has always been there for me and entrepreneurs, but uh, my interest lied in computers. And so I mentioned my uncles, uh, one of my uncles actually got into the video game industry really early. So he started doing video games uh, for the early uh, computers that were on the market, like the Tandy Color Computer. And he had some success there and he started writing video games for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, and he uh, wrote, uh, he was the first uh, developer of the video game Tetris for the United States. And so when they brought it over to the US, he was the one that coded that. And he's gone on to some uh, further success, and uh, but they've been both been both my uncles been great influence on me computer wise, and the entrepreneurship, and that's kind of where it kind of uh, came to a head for me, uh, and so that kind of all came together. I decided to get my uh, bachelor's in computer science. Decided that uh, running my own company is really what I wanted to do, and I went back to school and got my MBA, and then uh, kind of launched out on my own in uh, uh, about two thousand nine, two thousand ten timeframe. So, you know, on today's topic and small town startups, and you've had a few down there in Tulsa, mm -hmm. um, myself here in Kansas City, and, you know, we talk to, to folks that are, that are all over the U.S., if not all over the world. And that's, that's not only here on Startup Hustle, it's also at Full Scale, the company that I lovingly refer to as my day job. Um, now there's a completely different approach that goes in to, uh, opening businesses and, and having startups that don't occur in these massive metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. You take Absolutely. obviously the, the crown, the crown jewel of startup cities is still Silicon Valley where a lot of money resources and, um, migration occurs to mm -hmm. these, to these, uh, you know, metropolitan areas. What are some of the, the initial, um, uh, challenges that you've had when it comes to, you know, start, startups in a, in a city like Tulsa? Sure. There's lots of challenges and some of the challenges are common to any city, uh, but specifically to the Midwest and, for me, I'm focused on technology startups because that's that's my niche. I don't get much into manufacturing or medical or things like that. Uh, but a lot of uh, the products that are launched in the Midwest, uh, they tend to be more business to business products. Uh, and I say that versus like a Silicon Valley. Um, and that goes back to uh, the challenging part about building a startup in the Midwest. A lot of times is access to customers. And if you're building a consumer based product, uh, places like Silicon Valley, New York City, uh, the larger metropolitan cities are great for startups who need to gather momentum with consumers because of the large population density. They can reach a lot of consumers quickly and easily. Whereas if you were to launch a similar startup, let's just say Uber, if you were to start that in a Midwest city, the population density is not uh, large enough to actually support a startup like that. Uh, so that's one of the challenges in the Midwest. And so uh, and in smaller cities in general. So, yeah, and those are great points. I think mm. the one that I run into the most is just access to capital. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that's, a, that's the, probably the one thing that, you know, here in Kansas city, I hear, uh, people complain about the most mm -hmm. and, you know, that's something that needs to be addressed. Now, while they're in Kansas city, there are a few different funds. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, largely angel driven or mm -hmm. money is pouring in from other places. Are you finding that same, 
it is access to capital constraining in Tulsa. But by the way, Tulsa's got a million people in it. I mean, this <laughs> this isn't like this isn't like a, a cow town, right? That you know, it's not like Dodge City, Kansas, which is a real place mm-hmm. and not just in, from Hollywood. <laughs> you know, right? Now, Dodge City, Kansas, yeah. probably has twenty five to forty thousand people in the mm. whole, like in a very large area but you know you're in a million person city and we're talking about access to capital now here in kansas city i mean we're talking about a couple million people in the Mm -hmm. metropolitan area still the same still the same issue Mm -hmm. right yeah and so that is certainly one of the the challenges here um but on the flip side uh we have a lower uh cost of living and that's one of the the big benefits of of not living in a larger city uh and and uh, yeah, I've, I have some friends who run other companies who are, uh, you know, have the other challenge of, of bringing people in, uh, but they see a big difference in the lifestyle of employees between big cities and then the Midwest. We, we draw a different type of employee. Um, and so some will call it a challenge. Some will call it an opportunity. But what we've seen is in smaller cities, the employees tend to have um, more diverse work-life balance. I don't want to call it better or worse because it's different for everybody. Uh, but you tend to get employees that are not necessarily willing or on the in the right time in their lives to to spend 12, 14, 16 hours a day at the office. They they do have more of that eight to five mentality in smaller cities because they enjoy the rest of their lives too uh, outside of work. Uh, so that can be a challenge, even the type of employees. But access to capital is uh, one of the ba- one of the barriers that is certainly on the agenda of foundations in Tulsa and smaller cities, and certainly in the case of Tulsa, it's on the mind of the city government itself and trying to set up uh, incubators, trying to bring in incubators. I know there's at least one incubator here in Tulsa that's based in Kansas City, uh, Beta Blocks, and so they've you know traveled down uh, down the road here to Tulsa, uh, trying to you know, bring awareness to those potential angel investors and those funds about the startup opportunities in Tulsa and about the great talent that we do have and the great uh, products that are being created here in companies. Well, and that, you know, that kind of leads into the next thing that, uh, that I hear regularly is, you know, you mentioned talent and mm-hmm. it's about finding people that can actually work on, you know, on your tech products. And mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, you know, is that an issue in Tulsa as well? So Tulsa is, uh, I don't want to say unique position because a lot of small, uh, cities are like this, but Tulsa is one of the largest cities in the United States without a public four-year university. And what happens for Tulsa is that we don't necessarily have the best pipeline of STEM graduates that are available on the job market uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, we do have private universities here, but they don't have the numbers that uh, a larger public university can can uh, can produce. And so that is a challenge for the Tulsa area and other smaller cities that we we do potentially have to import uh, people and employees uh, to our cities, relocate them. Now with with COVID, that certainly opens up different opportunities with more remote work. Uh, but yeah, that that's certainly a challenge, and uh, one of the things that we see in Tulsa, I think it's uh, it because of that lack of of uh, 
talent pool. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to grow a small company into a medium-sized company because that's challenging to find those employees in the Tulsa area, and you don't necessarily have the capital to start uh, you know, recruiting employees from other places. So it can be challenging in the talent pool. And so that, that's certainly one of the things that uh, some other programs have been brought in specifically to Tulsa to start training technology talent. Uh, and I think we have the Holburton School, which... Uh, uh, brings in people to train them as software developers. I know that does not answer all of our uh, employee needs, but but yeah, there's programs and and we have that challenge here in, in the smaller city. It's not, and that's by the way, that's not unique to Tulsa, Kansas City. That mm. everywhere there's uh, it's pretty well known. I mean, that's honestly part of the reason why full scale has grown so quickly. Mm. Uh, you know, what we do is we, we help companies bridge that gap. So mm -hmm. you, you talk about that difference of going from a small to a medium company in size. Now, I don't know what you define that. I, I, I laugh at the, the government's uh, definition of a small business as any, anybody with 500 or fewer employees. Mm -hmm. okay, if you have 490 employees, you're not a small business. That's right. By my, by my, yeah. you have a, I say that I have two, <laughs> I just under 200 employees mm -hmm. and I we are definitely not a small business in that regard. Um, and you know, that, that overall, uh, you know, everything that comes with that, uh, you know, many companies, especially when trying to scale rapidly, as you mentioned, have a hard time finding any employees at all. Right. Um, all, all, all major metropolitan areas and probably all metropolitan areas in the U S currently are stricken with a negative unemployment rate when it comes to it talent. And, mm -hmm describe that for those listening, um, you, uh, the a negative unemployment rate is defined as there are literally way more jobs than people that can fill them. And so what happens in a lot of these situations is while some of these jobs, some of these employers will fill a job at the same time, they just create another opening that's unfillable. Mm -hmm. It's the equivalent of moving things from one bucket to another. Uh, another challenge that's, that comes up is, as you mentioned, you have STEM programs or vocational training or things like that. That's not a, that's not a solution that fixes a now problem. Um, you're talking about uh, things that require levels of expertise, training, and experience that, well, there's one thing about experience is you can't usually speed it up. Right. Um, you, you have it or you don't. That's a very, a binary kind of thing. Now, sure, you can have people that dive in and take it a little more seriously and maybe uh, uh, begin to, uh, you know, begin to, uh, 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 you know, learn faster mm -hmm. or something like that. But in the end, and then part of what's what's I think is a great thing for the small town startup, though, is uh, it, it well, it's not COVID, right. but it's some of the, the effects that have occurred. Mm -hmm. It pushed everybody to remote. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, uh, I think we'll see an influx of people back into markets like Kansas City and Tulsa. Um, and the, and big tech is now challenged with their saying, well, sure, you can work remote and you can move back to your hometown of Tulsa, but we're not going to pay you as That's much. That's right. Um, the issue, the, and the, the interesting uh, economic effect of that, that, you know, I, I, I'll have to keep an eye on and I'm curious to see what happens is how that affects remote employees and yeah. remote developers, meaning that meaning ones that aren't here in the mm -hmm. U S because 
when uh, the, at full scale, the biggest objection that we would get from people when we would talk to them about our services was them saying, um, well, we'd like to have everybody in the office. Well, that's not a reality for most people right, right now. Yeah. So, you know, are, are you, uh, what are your, do you, what are your opinions on, on how, you know, for the first rent went down for the first time in San Francisco mm-hmm. and like, 30 years. And that says something. I mean, what are your opinions on, on how that could affect markets like yours? Sure. And, and what we've seen. And so I went to a public magnet school in the state of Oklahoma called the Oklahoma School of Science and Mathematics. And so I'm also on the board there. Uh, but what we've seen, the trend that is encouraging for us is that we have people that, that move away after college uh, to start their careers and build their careers. And we've seen in the past five, 10 years, they're starting to move back because they're starting to raise the families. Uh, they want to be back where they grew up. They want to be back to a, a, a different work-life balance than they found in the other cities. So I think that may be, uh, that trend may increase with the uh, you know, the COVID effects that we see. And we're already seeing some of that. We are seeing people that are relocating to uh, smaller cities and certainly to Tulsa. And and, uh, ours has been maybe artificially stimulated by some of the programs. Uh, We've made some national news. Some of the foundations here have been paying people, I think, $10,000 to move to Tulsa and live a year. And so I know other cities around uh, the Midwest and other smaller cities, even on the coasts, are taking this approach to try and attract people. And I think it just accelerates uh, that trend that we're seeing. And so I, we've seen it with our, our STEM graduates from our high school, and we're seeing it with, uh, you know, even the high tech people that have been out on the coast and want to move back. Either it's uh, opportunities uh, to work remote or they just want that different work-life balance. Yeah, and that was the next thing I wanted to talk about because Tulsa has made some news mm. and the fact that they will they will cut you a check. Yes. Now is that the now who funds that? Is that the actually is that the city government or that is, is that a different that is not the government, that's the George Kaiser Family Foundation that's doing that. And so they've done uh tremendous things for the cities. One of their um uh things that they've been doing is uh you know having some collaboration um sites that they built up to try and attract entrepreneurs and remote workers to uh, kind of get together. And so they've done a lot for entrepreneurship in the city of Tulsa. And their primary focus when they started out was early childhood education. And that was kind of raising, uh, you know, the potential for um, increasing the education level of a community. And how do you do that? And uh, I know that pays dividends in the long run, uh, but it certainly helps the community in the short term to uh, and so that's just kind of progressed along. They started off early childhood ed- education, started building the community, started putting money into op- entrepreneurship, trying to attract talent uh, back to Tulsa. And so we're they're uh, certainly doing some of the things that I, I agree with. Uh, there have been some other potential changes in the public university setting in Tulsa, which we could potentially see expansion of public universities in Tulsa. And so that's encouraging uh, as well. Is there any visibility on whether or not anybody, if there's been takers on that $10,000 check? To move there out? has, yeah, absolutely. There has been visibility. And I, I, I know some people that work at the foundation. I've heard them mention offhand uh, that for every spot, they have at least 10 applicants 
that are that are wanting to move back to Tulsa. And so it's been a very popular program. It's I think it's in its second year. So I think they took about uh, oh I, I don't want to say exactly. It was less than a hundred I think per year, but it's still going strong. I mean that's a, that's pretty significant. It actually. is. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. quite significant. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to, in the second half of this episode, I want to uh, discuss with you some tips for people yeah. that have small town startups. Now, before we get into that, do you believe that there's nothing more human than technology? If you do, go check out what the inventors, engineers, and creatives are building over at Tesseract Ventures. You can visit tesseractventures.io, find a link in the show notes. They do everything from robots to flexible tech solution for construction and beyond. The Tesseract team, they're located here in Kansas City. They dream it and make it come to life. Uh, they do a lot of really cool stuff, actually. I know the founder, John, and they they uh, do a lot of IoT robotics and even have a have some creative toys that they've made that my, my kids love, which is, which is fun. Um, now part of, of what being successful in a small market, uh, in my opinion, you have to play to the strengths of the market and here in Kansas city being right here, dead, pretty much dead center in the middle of the U S we get a lot of, uh, we're, we're the crossroads, and for many different things. And there's, a, there's a lot of transportation. Um, we have for whatever reason, a lot of insurance. I'm not really sure why that ended up here and then agriculture related things. Um, you know, so, so playing towards the market that you're in isn't the worst approach when it comes to your small town startup. What do you see? Do do you see similar trends in Tulsa? Sure. And, and, I mentioned it earlier, but but Tulsa really started out as a oil town during the oil boom of the you know 1900s, and so that's really spurred on Tulsa's growth. And with the oil industry came a lot of technology, um, and kind of weird how things work out when you have oil pipelines that are running across the U.S. and now you have the ability to put down communication lines and start running data lines. Uh, Tulsa turned from an oil capital to a communications capital. And so we had uh, companies like Williams Communication and uh, uh, yeah, several others that came in and started uh, their play was to add, you know, data lines to the right of ways for the oil pipelines. And so Tulsa kind of transformed to a communications hub, uh, just some weird niche um, businesses. I see several like background screening businesses here in Tulsa. I know one of them is my, one of my clients, uh, but yeah, we have, you know, a good broad stroke of technology here in Tulsa, certainly still heavily oil and gas based. We have uh, finance uh, companies here that kind of, you know, a secondary relation to the oil and gas because there was a lot of uh, capital poured into Tulsa during the, the 1900s. And it's a lot of it's still generational money that's here. And so there's a lot of that. And that that's helpful as well, kind of going back to an earlier question about uh, the access to capital is that one of the things we're trying to do is convert that generational oil money into, you know, investments into uh, technology companies and, and other types of startups. 
Well, and, that, and that's the thing too, is, is some, you know, some markets, you look at Tulsa, Oklahoma City, just Oklahoma in general. I mean, that's oil country in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And, and there, and that comes, there's a lot of, clearly a lot of money behind that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, and I don't know, if, I don't know if you have a rivalry because you're in Tulsa and they're in Oklahoma State, but what, who is it? T Boone Pickens or someone like that has given it, given massive amounts of money mm-hmm. to the university, to Oklahoma State University. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I I mean, and that's just a representation of, uh, I mean, there's some tycoon type money down there. A lot of those folks are, do invest in technology that helps their stuff in yes. general. Um, yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's like I said, playing to the strength. You mentioned uh, your own family being in the uh, business of, of drilling bits mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So, you know, here's the thing is that that's, there's, while, while that was, you know, what, 50 or 100 years ago, on some levels, I mean, that, that, that stuff's grown up. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know, know a whole lot about it, but I know that there is a device called a pig that mm-hmm. they will often drop down <laughs> in oil pipes and different stuff. And like, yep. and I had a conversation with someone about that at one point, smart, that technology had, had, had become and yeah. why it was so critical. Um, and it was weird to have someone call me about technology related to a pig. And I thought we were talking about actual pigs. Right. And then about five minutes into the conversation, <laughs> I got corrected. And so, you know, we're not really talking about pigs. And I said, yeah, then what the hell are we talking about? Cause I'm really yeah. confused. So. <laughs> but what a great segment. And I mean, one of the advantages of being in a smaller city is, and we just talked about the different niches opportunities that you have, but uh, that's how you build a software company or a technology company. Is you look at what industries are available. Uh, and I started out this way as I started out working in the oil and gas industry. And so guess what? Now I have skills that I can go back and create products that I saw a potential, you know, product market fit. Uh, and the entrepreneurs, the community have done the same thing with these different industries and probably have the same thing in Kansas city is that you have these smaller startups that have, identify these these market opportunities that may not even exist in the larger cities on the coast because there's not a lot of oil and gas companies in in Silicon Valley uh, but there are in Tulsa and there's a lot of knowledge in the oil and gas industry in Tulsa and the people are here to sell to and so it's a great opportunity not only to start entrepreneur uh, endeavors but you have your market right there too locally so one of the things you know you talk about playing to your strength um, you know there the the perception and the information that I have is that a lot of there's a lot of money from the coasts, but whether that be East or West, and there's a strong desire to invest and, and, you know, f- look for and find companies that are in these and, and what is uh, often referred to as flyover country, mm-hmm. meaning the, the parts of the country that are often uh, uh, just simply flown over from, right. you know, New York to San Francisco or whatever. And, and part of what, uh, you know, some of the advantages you have as a small town startup are related to the cost of, of well, the cost of doing business for mm-hmm. starters. Um, I, I rarely have a phone call with someone from, uh, from New York, uh, Silicon Valley, well, anywhere in California, Miami, Chicago, and they're always so envious of, of the cost of living, the cost of doing business. And I mean, really all of it. So, yep. uh, you know, but part of it is you're talking about once you get past the, the major, the, the top 10, and let's mention who those are. So that's New York, LA, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, 
the Washington, D.C. area, Miami, Philly, Atlanta, Phoenix, Boston, and San Francisco. Yeah. Those are the top 12. Now, once you start getting out of, of those, you get out into the, you know, like, Denver, St. Louis, Kansas City, Austin. I mean, some of these cities are really popping. I mean, Austin, yeah. without a doubt. And oh, yeah. the thing is, yeah. is, is Austin's not a huge town. It's actually technically the 29th largest major metropolitan area. And, mm-hmm. and someone in a city that's done a great job. Uh, I mean, they've obviously, Austin's kind of turning into Silicon Valley of the South mm-hmm. in many ways. But you know, what, what are a couple things that you think a small town founder can do to try to get themselves in front of, uh, quote, big town money? Right. Well, I, I think it's key in a lot of areas of businesses and business in general, but it's connections. Uh, because just because you're in a small town does not mean that you're, you're disconnected from those larger towns. Uh, because I have, you know, uh, it's not bragging, but I have like two degrees of separation from like Mark Cuban because I know people who've been on Shark Tank. I've been, I know people who've gotten investments from Mark Cuban. I'm not saying he's the, you know, the, the one answer, but uh, within the startup community, uh, you know, I know people from Kansas City. I know people from Silicon Valley just through different connections and uh, conferences and things and knowing people and just being in the industry for a while. But, um, asking for references. It's the networking, you know, I don't want to say it all comes back to relationships, but really for businesses, just because you're in a small town does not mean you're limited by that small town. Well, I mean, the internet's shrunk the world significantly. Mm -hmm. And the, and the thing is, is, I mean, quite honestly, if you're not trying to gain attention for what you're doing, Mm -hmm. then you shouldn't be surprised when what you're doing doesn't get much attention. Right. Uh, I think, I think, you know, I was talking to someone the other day that was a manager of a, of a very large fund and that fund required that 70% of the money be spent Silicon Valley. And you think about Mm. that folks, like that's, I mean, and this was, it was, uh, I mean, it, it was, I, I won't, I, I don't want to give it away, uh, but it was a, a fund between 50 and a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. And one of, and think about that. One of the mandates that 70% of the money had to be invested and spent outside of Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that says a lot, but that's a lot of dough and that's, and right. that's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of money. So the thing is, is you got to get out there and look for this stuff. Now, I think one of the biggest mistakes that when it comes to fundraising, and I, and I talked to so many people about this because everyone seems to have the same issue when it comes to capital. And, you know, I, I'll talk to someone and they'll say, well, I tried and you know, I just couldn't <laughs> raise any, I just couldn't raise any money for this. And I, I said, uh, I mean, do you talk to a lot of people? Did you really get out there and beat the bushes? They're like, yeah, I did. I, I mm. did. I talked to a whole, a lot of people and I said, well, how many? And this, I, I, I did four different pitches. Mm. Like you're 190, <laughs> you're 196 short. That's right. You know, for most yeah. of the time. And, and that's the thing is you have to be prepared to, to sound like you're going to feel like a parrot yeah. at the end of the day. Cause you're going to be saying the same things, but you know, there, there really is an endless supply of money out there. Uh, there is and have to go chase it. Yeah. Well, and one of the other advantages of a small city or or is the the lower cost of living, but it's uh what that means is it's potentially easier to bootstrap because you don't necessarily need that larger amount of money. Maybe an angel investment of 40 to 50,000 will last a year. 
in, in Tulsa, Kansas City, where it wouldn't even get you a month in Silicon Valley. And so there, there are lots, we see those advantages for startups here. And that's one of the reasons why the Midwest and these smaller cities is such a great opportunity for startups and technology and entrepreneurship, because we have that, that huge advantage over Silicon Valley and those other top 10, 12 cities you just listed. Well, and, and that perception is, it comes from that of value. Yeah. You know, you talk about that, that value proposition that really like, you know, it's like I said, it's uh, I mean, th- a lot of these startups that are, you know, in big cities and, you know, they, and they have to have, they have to rock a higher valuation yeah. to, well, to pay the bills. And, Absolutely. you know, like you said, that, that burn uh, can get uh, pretty crazy. And you look at some of these big companies, like recently Pinterest was in the news for paying $90 million to break a lease. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> like I, I can only imagine, it's... like you talk about mm. being accountable and doing stuff and, and like, here, here it is. And like, imagine, imagine you and I on a board somewhere and I'm like, well, guys, uh, you know, I, I think it's in our best interest to spend $90 million in capital breaking a lease. Mm. And you, you know, you're sitting there going, what? Yeah. And, and somehow that made sense on, on such an extreme level. I can only imagine what the rent was worth there for so long. But once again, it plays back into the, into this remote world. Um, yeah. Now remember, um, you know, in the end, people that make investments and sources of capital, like they want to return on their money. They're not hung up on where you're at. Right. Um, in some, in some cases they might be, you know, yeah. there are, I did just recently have a conversation with someone that, that was in Cambridge in Massachusetts. And, you know, this person had come out of MIT, they were dealing directly with machine learning. There are some cutting edge technologies and certain, uh, we'll say emerging technologies that have formed little clusters. Like if you're, you know, and, and I'm not going to sit here and lead you to believe that, that Kansas city and like today's sponsor Tesseract you know, that they're in this pocket of robotics here in Kansas City. They're not. But but Tesseract is a great example of a company. You know, they've raised a lot of money. They're finding a lot of success. They're right here in, in KC. And, you know, they could be wherever they wanted to be. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is you can thrive wherever you're at. I mean, you're really theoretically just a few hours away from any of these cities. Now, I know that travel's a little a little less desirable or accessible, but you really still are not that far away. Um, mm. So, you know, overall, now I, I had a couple other questions for you in regards yeah. to, to Tulsa. Are there some, uh, so recently, um, and a, form, a former guest, uh, 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 Josh Parsons, who's the COO of Backlot Cars. Now, Backlot Cars is a, a uh, marketplace. Well, go find the episode titled Backlot Cars, uh, learn all about what they do. They just had a $425 million exit. Now, um, my often co-host and business partner at Full Scale, Matt Watson, was well known for auto tech because he was one of the founders mm-hmm. of End Solutions, which had a $150 million exit in 2012. Uh, you start to see this daisy chain of, of one leading for the other and different stuff. Have there been any big exits or thing or companies of note that have come out? Well, let's just say Oklahoma. Yeah, sure. We have, you know, going back into the Tulsa history, uh, way back 
in the, the early days of the internet, uh, you say that sarcastically, but when Twitter first came out, uh, <laughs> you know, Twitter was te- Which is 10 years ago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Twitter was text only. You did not get to put uh, pictures or videos on there. Uh, and so there was a, a guy here in Tulsa that, um, you know, thought, hey, I want to post pictures on Twitter. You know, it seems so simple now, but uh, he started TwitPic. Uh, and so he was the first one to provide pictures on uh, on Twitter. And he actually moved out, uh, I think, to the East Coast and kept it going and, and turned down opportunities. The rumor that I heard was that uh, he was going to sell it to Zappos uh, for about seven or eight million at the time. Uh, and then uh, Twitter released their own functionality uh, for pictures and kind of kind of went away. Uh, but then uh, another early internet sensation was Ping FM, P-I-N-G dot F-M. And they allowed you to post to like several social media uh, places through text messaging. And so they, you know, you text in your uh, status update and it'd send it out. So both of those were from Tulsa and they they both had early success. Uh, I know we have some uh, successes out of Oklahoma City. I don't remember any right offhand, but I, we've had... Uh, it's a good, good spot for startups, and uh, we haven't seen larger exits yet. I think um, those first two I mentioned, TwitPick and Ping FN, uh, th- their success led them to move away. And so, of course, what we're trying to do with investors and access to capital is to give them a reason to not move. And that that's one of our challenges here in, in smaller cities. And it goes back to the access to capital and, you know, full circle, the education, the the STEM graduates, the the workforce available. And, and uh, yeah. So we end our episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the founders freestyle. And, mm-hmm. you know, you being someone that's that's founded multiple different companies, you know, and today's combined with today's topic of small town startups. I mean, what's some of the best advice that you can can give for when it comes, and I know we talked about a lot of stuff, but if you had to give one, one slice of advice to a small town startup, what mm-hmm. would that be? Well, and it'd be the same to a big town startup, but uh, my advice is take advantage of opportunities and don't wait for those opportunities to show up at your doorstep. You have to go searching out for opportunities. Uh, that's a, you know, maybe a long winded way of saying that you have to hustle and that's just kind of a generic term in, in the entrepreneur world. But Uh, I'll give an example for one of my startups um, way back in 2010, 2011 timeframe, had some early success, uh, won some contests with it, uh, but it was my efforts in pushing it towards reporters, pushing it towards um, Microsoft because they had their Microsoft uh, BizSpark program. And so I started pestering those people. Hey, I want to write up what it's, what's it going to take for me to uh, get you to write an article about me. And so at, that uh, got them to publish an article about my startup. Uh, from there, it got picked up by news sources like Mashable and uh, Fast Company. So my products were fe- featured on Mashable and Fast Company, and that led to articles in the Wall Street Journal that that mentioned my company. Uh, but none of that would have happened if I didn't go search out those opportunities, and it wouldn't have happened if I didn't take advantage of those opportunities. And so it's frustrating to see uh, startups not taking advantage of opportunities when they're available to them. And that means access to resources, uh, access to mentors. I know in some of your past episodes you've talked about, or your co-founder, Matt, um, mentioned he was a, a mentor on, some, on an incubator. And he's surprised at how little um, 
people took advantage of his uh, of his mentorships, and he's an expert in the field, just like he said, auto technology. Um, I'm not sure if it's his company or another company, but uh, you know, I, I've seen some of those uh, companies come down to Tulsa and give their presentations at some of the entrepreneurship opportunity. Uh, uh, presentations here in Tulsa. So it's uh, even the Midwest we get around. So yeah, taking advantage of opportunities. And, and that's part of it is that there are startup pitches that you can go to weekly coffee events in your community, search out um, networking opportunities. Uh, yeah, just take advantage of opportunities in general. I, I think, I, you know, and those are all really great points. And I, I think the thing I want to encourage for small town startups is, look, you can have a big box mentality from anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you look at a company like backlot cars and, and, you know, a, a $425 million exit right here in Kansas city. And I mean, that's a big exit. I mean, that's a half a, that's half a, almost half a billion dollars. And, you know, like they didn't let the, I mean, Kansas city didn't slow them down at all. Right. I mean, they, they wrapped their arms around it, embraced it and, you know, have built a very big company here. And, you know, there's a lot, you know, it, like I said, is, you know, you mentioned Tulsa, there's a million people in Tulsa. That's, yeah. a, that's a million people, man. That's a big city. It's a lot. That's a lot start, of people. Start so, to get there. Yeah. 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 But, but what, what comes with that? And one of the things that I've learned being in Kansas city is that, you know, look, it, this is, this is about as cliche as it gets, but you know, you can be a big fish in a small pond. It's a lot, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's a lot easier to get noticed, to build a brand, to, to, to generate some heat, to do any of that and to do it right where you're at. And, Absolutely. you know, yeah. if you, if you, if you think that your, your day one startup is best out in Silicon Valley or New York city, you're going to learn that you're an afterthought. And because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're there, you're, you're on the main stage at the music festival with, with the big hitters and, right. you know, and, and there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot to be said when it comes to, you know, getting recognized, getting attention. And in some of those places, what you're doing might feel pretty insignificant mm-hmm. as compared to being in a Tulsa, Kansas city, like Omaha, like, do you know, Omaha has more millionaires per capita than any other city in the U S and you know, there's money there. And Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to getting started on a small scale, a lot, a lot of that, that, that would tell me that theoretically there's probably a lot of angel investors there too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously a lot of that's driven by Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway and the things that have come up, but who cares, right? Who cares? How bad do you want it? People? That's what (laughs) you have to ask yourself. And if you're going to make excuses for why things didn't work because you're not in the right market, I'm going to say one thing. If you can't dominate the market you're in, if you can't, if you can't make it work, in the city you're in, why would you be able to make it work somewhere else? Now, it, that only time that that is not correct is, uh, you know, if it, if if the technology or the solution that you're providing is in fact geo specific. And honestly, I'm having a hard time coming up with great examples. You had a good example with Uber and ride sharing. So here's the thing: like in Kansas City, that but that could be good or bad. Um, you know, cabs weren't as big of a deal as they were in, in mega cities. And right. that was the thing is that what would, what were you disrupting and what were you doing? But then again, on the flip side, um, a cab ride is often, or an Uber ride is often really short. Mm-hmm. 
in mm-hmm. cities like that in places like Kansas city, where it's really spread out. Like if I got to take an Uber to the airport from where I'm at, that's a 50, $60 uh, thing. And that's good yeah. for the driver too. Mm-hmm. The driver loves that. The one that's yeah. getting the ride. So there, you know, don't, don't talk yourself out of, of why you're at or where you're at and what you can do. I mean, I did the same thing with full scale and it became a, it was an interesting conversation because later as people were approaching us and wanting to invest, uh, which we did, still haven't accepted any outside mm. money because largely because we don't want to. Some we did have some conversations that, Oh, well, uh, you look like a Kansas city phenomenon, <laughs> but you know, and I said, well, if we can't, if we can't win where we're at now, why would we be able to win anywhere? And then, you know, we later fanned out the the marketing flames to other places. And and now we have, we have clients, users, and, and people that are all over the country, you know, and, and as we, as we uh, round out the episode, you know, once again, I want to thank Tesseract and, you know, Tesseract brought, brought Silicon Valley level innovation to the Midwest, enabling businesses just like yours to defy the boundaries of space and time through next generation technologies. You can visit tesseractventures.io to learn more or click the link in the show notes. There's also a link to some of Jeff's stuff down there. Make sure to check it out. Jeff, thank you so much. And for those of you listening, work hard, how bad do you want it? Because you can get it just just as as easily and sometimes e- easier in that in that small town with your startup than you can in the big city. Thanks. See ya. Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.